this week's update. Markets wobble on inflation and growth fears, and it's a busy week for central banks. Markets started the week on the back foot today as both shares and bonds sold off on fears that inflation is becoming entrenched. That has raised concerns that central banks will be forced into more damaging interest rate hikes that will impact growth and create the toxic mix of rising prices and sluggish growth known as stagflation. Europe shares picked up on US market weakness ahead of the weekend, falling by more than 2% to bring the decline to 9% so far this quarter. The optimistic take on inflation was blown away last Friday as US CPI hit 8.6%, its highest level in more than 40 years, on the back of rising food and energy costs. That put increasing pressure on the Federal Reserve to accelerate the pace of monetary tightening, starting with this week's rate announcement on Wednesday evening. And the stock market took it all badly, with a messy end to the week for the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq. The monthly rise in the inflation rate of 1% was significantly higher than both April's 0.3% rise and the 0.7% that had been forecast. Markets which had priced in, at the worst, a levelling off of price rises tumbled on Friday, with the S&P 500 down 2.7% and Nasdaq 3% lower. That rounded out the worst week for Wall Street since January. Bonds suffered too, especially shorter dated issues, which tend to react the most to interest rate changes. The two-year Treasury yield hit 3%, its highest since 2008. The generalised nature of the risk-off move for markets was confirmed by a sharp fall in the price of Bitcoin, which dropped by 17% to just over $24,000, two-thirds below the level reached at the cryptocurrency's November peak. The question for investors now is whether this is just a temporary blip before inflation really does turn lower again, or something more serious that might prompt the Fed to hike further and quicker than expected. Most market watchers had assumed that US rates would rise pretty quickly until they peaked at about 3%. Now the fear is that the high point, or terminal rate as it's known, will be more like 3.5%. As well as announcing the level of interest rates this week, the Fed will also unveil its latest dot plots. This is the chart indicating where individual rate setters see interest rates over the next few years, and it's a widely watched guide to where interest rates are likely to head. The concern is that raising rates too far, too fast, could tip the economy into recession. In fact, a survey of economists by the FT this week showed 70% of them expecting the US to suffer an economic downturn in the next year. Rising rates and lower or negative growth would have a big impact on what investors consider to be fair value for the stock market. Broadly speaking, the higher the rate at which future earnings are discounted back to a present-day value, the lower the valuation multiple that investors are prepared to pay. High interest rates equal low price-earnings ratios. At around 16 times expected earnings, the valuation of the US market has already fallen pretty sharply from its level a year or so ago, when investors were prepared to pay around 23 times earnings. But investors are starting to price in further compression of that valuation multiple. Even if it falls only to 15 times, then on the basis of current earnings forecasts, fair value for the market in a year's time might be around 3,600 
compared to today's 3,900. And even that calculation relies on earnings growth holding up at the currently expected 10% rate for this year and next. There's no evidence yet that those forecasts will not be met, but we remain a few weeks away from the second quarter earnings season for the three months to the end of June. The valuation arithmetic really does hang on a decent showing for company results in a month or so. Within the market, there's clearly an argument for taking a defensive approach. Utilities, for example, are enjoying their best relative performance versus other sectors since the early 1980s, when the world was mired in an energy fueled recession that feels pretty familiar to today's situation. Commodities, which performed relatively well back then, are also continuing to look positive. This is one reason why the performance of the UK stock market remains relatively strong despite the increasingly difficult domestic economic situation. This week, we learned that the UK economy shrank in April, missing forecasts of a modest improvement. The 0.3% drop in activity between March and April was impacted by the winding down of the track and trace programme in the UK, which is worrying in itself because it suggests that economic activity was being supported by non-productive COVID-related activity rather than anything more sustainable. Last week, the OECD cut its forecast for UK growth in 2023 to zero, the lowest for any G20 country bar Russia, reflecting in part our high inflation, which at 9% in April was the highest of any G7 country. Despite the challenges facing the UK economy, the Bank of England is still expected to raise interest rates for the fifth meeting on the trot on Thursday by another quarter percentage point to 1.25%. The expectation is that rates will continue rising steadily until the end of the year to around 2% in order to get on top of inflation, which is behind the most serious cost of living crisis here for 40 years. One area where the relative performance of different economies and the responses of their central banks is showing up is in their currencies. The pound in particular is falling hard against the dollar, with sterling standing at just over $1.22. In part, this is a strong dollar story, as investors look to capitalise on rising US interest rates and bond yields. But in part, it's about deteriorating conditions at home. Another currency which is in freefall against the dollar is the Japanese yen, which hit a 24-year low this week of 135 yen to the dollar. The markets there are testing the resolve of the Bank of Japan to keep interest rates at rock bottom to stimulate the Japanese economy. The BOJ will unveil its latest thinking this week when it's expected to maintain its ultra-loose monetary policy. The falling yen is a two-edged sword. On the one hand, it makes Japanese exports more competitive, and that's important for an economy that's so reliant on overseas sales. On the other, it makes imports more expensive, especially of food and energy, in which Japan has a low level of self-reliance. The rising cost of these staples eats into consumer purchasing power, and it makes life hard for companies which are unable to raise prices in a country that has got used to zero inflation over many years. The Nikkei fell 3% at the start of the week, slightly worse than other Asian markets, down 2.8% on average. Although the US earnings season is a few weeks off, there's no shortage of results to keep an eye on this week. 
on this side of the pond with numbers from Bellway, WH Smith, Boohoo, Halfords and Tesco. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.